This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Jane Brody wrote a column this week in the New York Times called Healthy in a Falling Apart Sort of Way. (laughs) She described uh, going to the doctor where they asked her to fill out one of these forms that asks at a rate, how healthy are you? Do you feel healthy or unhealthy? She says she always checks off healthy, but she realizes um, she's 74 years old, her hearing's bad, she has trouble remembering names, she's been treated for cancer, had a couple knees replaced, Um, (laughs) a fairly long list of uh, things that she's gone through, and she says, I still walk a couple miles every day and swim and She's writing the column. Mm -hmm. Uh, So is she healthy or not? Uh, See, what I think is interesting about the way she frames it is how it challenges us uh, about that dichotomy of health versus unhealthy or health versus illness as if we were clearly one or the other. We can create an image of health that we aspire to and pursue it by all sorts of preventative care and trying to get enough sleep and exercise and eat well and so forth and so on. But the danger of a certain kind of aspiration, a certain kind of definition of health is it means you spend your entire life on the defensive. You're always warding off things, and usually unsuccessfully. Well, ultimately, definitely unsuccessfully. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's simply unavoidable that stuff is going to happen to us. And big part of our practice has to do with how we frame the things that happen to us in our own mind and whether we see the inevitable illness and old age that's going to befall us as a flaw, as a failing, as something that's basically wrong with us rather than simply part of being human that is uh, what we're here to understand and experience. Now, I think it's increasingly the case that in America these days, meditation is getting enlisted uh, into a healthy lifestyle you know, along with diet and exercise and 
there are all these studies about how meditation is good for you in all sorts of ways, right? Yet I think that it's a big mistake to think that we <coughs> practice Zen because it's good for us. I do not imagine that uh, Thomas Merton joined the Trappists because he thought it was part of a healthy lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) As far as I know, by the time he was 50, he had developed back problems and skin problems and digestive problems. And it was, in many ways, a, a tough life that they have physically taken a toll on him. Yet I don't think at any point you read him saying uh, this was a bad idea because uh, it's bad for my back. Now it's not that we should treat our health as entirely irrelevant, but it's certainly the case that up until very recently spirituality was intimately connected with asceticism, if not renunciation and self-sacrifice, and that the stories you read in the classic Zen tales are of people willing to make enormous sacrifices in order to be able to practice, most dramatic of which is probably the second patriarch cutting off his arm, right? Clearly, there was not a sense that practice was something that you did to, in any simple sense, promote your health and well-being, right? Now, I do think we, as we develop an ongoing, lifelong practice for ourselves, we want to understand how it fits into our life and what the (coughs) cumulative effects of it are. Our practice is inevitably difficult and there may be things that we give up in order to practice. I do think it's true that people who practice sitting in a great deal of pain for many years to the point of developing problems with their knees, uh, could consider trying to wear down their pride instead of building up their endurance (laughs) and consider sitting in a chair. I, I think that makes sense not just from a perspective of taking care of your body, but really for paying attention to why we practice and how we create ideals of toughness, endurance, or perfection that actually do us harm. I think we have to be very careful about enlisting any kind of spiritual practice into a pursuit of purity or perfection 
There certainly are spiritual traditions that seem to aim for purity, but I don't think Zen is one of them, uh, as evidenced by all the shit jokes and the old koans, you know? Um, Zen foregrounded authenticity and immediacy and truthfulness as uh, opposed to a kind of um, purification process. And I think that as we develop a psychologically minded Zen these days, it is even more true that we are attempting to stay honest about everything that's going on in our mind, in our body. We're not trying to perfect it. We're not trying to purify it. We're trying to stay honest about it, trying to be able to look into the mirror. Uh, and for today's purposes, that's a full-length mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and say, this is me. (laughs) Part of what uh, Jane Brody is pointing to, I think, is a way in which when it comes to our health and our emotional life, having problems is not by itself a problem. Uh, Having problems is our natural state. It is a version of life is suffering. Perhaps we could say that in this practice, we're trying not to eliminate our problems, but to learn how to live in the midst of them, as, as the way we say, the lotus grows in the mud. I think she ends her column by quoting one of her doctors who said, uh, the way to be healthy is to not obsess about your health. (laughs) Perhaps we could say, To study health is to forget about your health. (laughs) (laughs) Helping the teacher like that.